love one another, forgive, judge not, fear not. It's all such great advice with beautiful outcomes, but none of those principles is a one-step process. So let's talk specifics, the messy step-by-step. Welcome to, but how though, in a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. Welcome back to, but how though, in a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. We've been talking all love month about how we show up in our relationships with others. And this last week of love month, I want to talk a little more about how we show up in our relationships when we got to forgive. Forgiveness is super hard. I can't speak for everyone, but for me, I think it's hard because I always understood it to be a destination, an outcome, this benevolent gift I'm able to find within myself and then give to another person who wronged me. And not only am I the only one who can give the person the gift, I also gotta. It's a matter of moral obligation. Because I'd heard all the churchy stuff about forgiveness. Forgiveness is divine. Forgiven, you will be forgiven. And even the more contemporary idea that forgiveness has nothing to do with the harmer. It's a thing for the one harmed. Because you don't want that person to take any more of your peace, your energy, or your life than they've already taken. So let it go through forgiveness. So you'll be free. And people could explain it and I could get there mentally. I can get there mentally. But knowing a concept academically has never taken my anger away. (laughs) Ever. Last November, I released an episode called As a Brother Beloved. I believe it's episode 13. And it was about my experience with forgiveness. Essentially what happened was a teacher in my past did some harmful things to me. And I'd been hurt by teachers' words and actions. I held on to a lot of anger and resentment for teacher because of this. And even when I went through therapy and worked on myself and thought I would take the quote higher road or be the quote bigger person and forgive every time I saw, spoke of, or even thought of teacher, I would get angry all over again. One time it even resulted in an embarrassing public display of anger after I was sure I had forgiven teacher. I was sure of it. So what was forgiveness if it wasn't permanent? What was the gift I gave to the perpetrator if the results were not lasting for me? That question led to a serious wrestle with Team Universe. It led to a study of a great chapter in scripture that helped me see some of my personal blockages and why I was withholding forgiveness or rather why I was holding on to anger. And in seeing that more clearly, I was able to undo the knots in that anger noose and I could willingly let it go. People, I rode that high for months. I am serious. I thought I have done it. I have cracked the forgiveness code. I'll probably never hold a grudge again, at least not for long. I might not even get angry or upset ever again because I've gotten to that Zen place. You know, I know how forgiveness works for me. It was a rage classic arriving at the beginning of a path and thinking that the trailhead was in fact my destination. But not long after, I felt a nudge from Team Universe. It it felt a little like this. Good job, Rach. That was really good mental work. Really good work. Now let's go ahead and apply what you've learned to some more complex relationships. Let's go ahead and apply this to some deeper hurts. No problem, right? I'm Zen, right? Oh my gosh, I was so naive. 
I wasn't starting completely from scratch, though. I really did have some data from the teacher experience. For instance, forgiveness, as I'd previously viewed it, was not accurate. Forgiveness wasn't a level you achieved through a series of willpower exercises of being stronger than your own anger. And when you overcome anger like the villain that it is, you will then feel forgiving. So if you still feel angry, it's because you aren't strong enough to forgive. But you best keep working on that because you won't be forgiven unless you can forgive, (laughs) which makes our relationship with Team Universe seem very transactional. Uh, as if we earn forgiveness by being forgiving. I mean, you, you can look at it that way, but that won't tell you about the messy middle. That won't tell you the how-tos because honestly, you can say, I gotta forgive, but how though? When we've sort of been taught that forgiveness is letting go, letting go of anger and resentment is a huge burden lifted. Yes, it's restoring peace and harmony and love to your heart. Sure, So it really is for the person harmed and not for the harmer. But telling someone they got to take themselves from being angry and hurt over a harm done to being free of those feelings by letting go without telling them the way to get there, just telling them the necessity of it or they'll be stuck in hell with the rest of the unforgiving souls, that is not helpful. And I realize not everyone's path of forgiveness will be the same as mine, but I did learn one thing that is very universal. Forgiveness is in fact a path, a method. It is not a destination at the end or the gift or prize you either receive or give once you earn it through sheer power of your moral aptitude. It is in fact the path you take back to peace and harmony, the peace and harmony you were taken from in the first place because the default of team universe's universe is peace. It's harmony. It's love. That's the default with them. That's where they exist. We're here on this earth to learn, grow, and become more, right? We're basically turned loose to do this with the promise that we have access to Team Universe and all of their resources anytime we choose to tap into that. Great. That's all great. While we're here, we learn great things. And in the process of learning and growing or even just existing, we do and we say ridiculous nonsensical, and yes, harmful things to each other. We do. Obviously, there are varying degrees to which humans do harmful things. We can easily say the harm done by a mean word seems smaller than the harm done by a physical abuse. For instance, we can say it, we can compare it, but are we right? Because we all come here so individually designed. The way one person is harmed because of the makeup of their hearts cannot always be compared to a way another person is harmed to determine the severity. And so determining the severity in order to determine how to forgive, that's not going to work every time. It might not even work some of the time. Using forgiveness as a method instead of a destination tells us the severity of the hurt does not matter because forgiveness is a thing the harmed and hurt individual may use to get them back to the peace, love, and harmony they were taken from. That is our right as babies born to this universe. Matthew 18 is incredible because it talks about forgiveness of offenses. In verse 7, it basically states, offenses are inevitable. 
they're going to come. They're going to happen. In verse four, it talks about the importance of humility, which for me turned out to be key in my ability to walk the path of forgiveness. But here, Jesus takes some time to outline some human characteristics like humility, some of the characteristics that serve us and some of the characteristics that hinder us. Then because his words were a little hard to understand, he gives some examples and parables in this chapter. Then he gives a very direct piece of advice about how to handle an offense in verse 15. He says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. In this verse, there's, a, there's kind of a lot. If, if your brother has offended you, your neighbor, your friend, your acquaintance, go to them one-on-one. And if they hear you, you have gained them as a brother. To me, that means your relationship is even stronger. And also your point in going to tell them the fault is to maintain or salvage the relationship. It sounds simple enough. And for the simple offenses like teacher hurting my feelings, doing this thing for yourself, a simple confrontation for you might just be enough to be able to let go. And I will explain my theory on that later. If there are legal ramifications though, bigger and more complicated circumstances, you may have to do more for yourself on the restoring yourself to peace path. So then in this chapter, Peter, my hero, asks, okay, but how many times do I have to forgive someone who offends me? Because I'm guessing Peter understood forgiveness the same way I did. As a gift I got to give once I make it to the patient, kind, understanding level of morality that will save me from my anger at the injustices done to me. And he's thinking, there's a limit, right? There's got to be a limit to the amount of times I can give that gift. Because sooner or later, we have to look not at my ability to give the gift, but at whether or not a perp deserves the gift, right? So how many times? Seven? If a person is still harming me after seven times, can we look at them now and not at my forgiving abilities? (laughs) I love Peter so much because that's a really good point, Peter. Really valid point. So Jesus, a member of Team Universe, understands that forgiveness is an actual route a person takes to get back to peace and harmony. So he answers, no, not seven times, more like 70 times seven. I'm going to go ahead and believe Peter hated math as much as I did. And instead of doing the literal math there, he just understood what Jesus was saying. We don't give up on getting back to peace and harmony. We take the road back to it, no matter how hard that road is. And no matter how many times we have to walk it, because traveling a road back is literally the only way to get back to a place you've been removed from. So if we're harmed, And we're taken away from the peace and harmony that should exist in our hearts because we're a child of team universe. Wherever that harm takes us, whether it be to the bottom of the hill, across the street, stranded on a mountain ledge a million miles away from the peace and harmony we were at, we can sit on that ledge and cry about how we shouldn't be there, about how we hate it, about how we're cold, how we're lost, how it isn't fair. We can. And if we're honest... Part of the process is that we'll probably have to do that for at least a couple minutes to process it. But staying there, shaking our fist at the sky will not get us back. The truth is no matter how unfairly, sneakily, or even violently we are ripped from our place of peace, we have the power to get back 
No one can take that from us. It's our team universe given right. We can go back to peace. Just sometimes we get confused on how, because it seems like the person who took us away from our peace should be the one to restore us back to it. So Peter's kind of making that point with his questions. And then Jesus gives the parable of the unforgiving debtor. It's in verses 23 through 35 of Matthew 18. Essentially, there's a king. He reckons all his accounts. He finds that one servant owes him a lot of money, 10,000 talents. So he brings the servant in, says time to pay up, but the servant couldn't. So the king said, okay, sell everything you've got, even your wife and your kids to pay the debt. So the servant falls down begs for mercy, have patience with me, I'll figure it out, we'll get you your money. But the king does something that seems really generous here and says, nah, you're good. You don't have to pay me. It's fine. (laughs) No deferred interest payment, no payment plans, no simple reduction of the debt amount, just a zeroed out account. You no longer owe the debt. It's completely forgiven. Then that servant's doing his own accounting. Maybe it's the beginning of the year and everyone's looking at last year's books. I don't know. But the servant found another fellow servant who owed him a much smaller amount, but still owed him. And that first servant went to the fellow servant, took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. The fellow servant fell down just like the first servant had, begged for patience and time to pay the debt just like the first servant had. But the first servant refused and had the fellow servant cast into prison. So skip a little ahead to when the king found out and said, dude, I forgave your debt because you wanted it. Isn't that what you should have done here? Applied the same pity and compassion. And then the story ends with the first servant being handed over to the tormentors, whoever that is, until he could pay his original debt. And there's a warning line. So shall the father in heaven do if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. That's a pretty heavy threat. And it brings it back to the idea that if our relationship with Team Universe is transactional, then we got to earn forgiveness by being forgiving. But that doesn't really make any sense. Okay, because they are the ones who understand forgiveness. How are we expected to bestow the gift of forgiveness first? And that's what qualifies us to be forgiven. And when we think of forgiveness as a thing, like a thing that can be bought or sold or earned or lost, that can sound very confusing if we think of it like a transaction like that. So we'll say, okay, Team Universe, I guess we'll try. But then we're 40-something with some anger and resentment issues, wondering if we'll ever get into heaven because we still can't let that hurt go. And then we start to wonder if there really is such a place at all because I was, in fact, harmed. And why do we all got to pretend I wasn't in order for me to get into heaven when I'm not the one who harmed me in the first place? Because what kind of team captains would lay this impossible task on humans? Okay, it's nonsensical. What the servant in the story and a lot of us fail to realize, though, is the forgiveness isn't the prize. It's the method. So the king is, in fact, harmed by the servant. In this story, it was a debt. But that debt, really, it could be anything. Let's say the servant was hired to do a job he promised he could do. The king hired him in the sales department, and he was hired to add 50 new accounts to the king's super sweet business, The servant's profile on LinkedIn indicated he was not only qualified, but he could guarantee 50 new accounts and do it in a certain amount of time. He would need X amount of dollars from the king to do it, but it was guaranteed. King gives the money, hires the servant, and then it turns out that the servant not only lied to get the job, he wasn't qualified to do the job. He didn't have a plan and he didn't even try to do it. (laughs) 
And the king's company goes under. Under. The king is now not only short the 50 accounts he thought he would have, he's also lost a lot of money and other accounts he could have had if he had hired someone else. So he goes to the servant and says, pay up. And the servant can't. Then the king says, fine, I'll ruin you. I can make sure you not only lose this job, but you never work in sales and maybe even never work anywhere ever again. This is where the like, sell the wife, sell the children, rot in prison, extreme examples of Peter's time, they can be substituted here, right? Like you have a bad experience at the doctor. He failed in his job. He did something bad and you can ruin him with bad reviews, that kind of thing. So the servant begs for mercy. Here's where the story gets a little tricky, okay? It is, in fact, easier to forgive a debt when someone acknowledges they owe you. Meaning, it's much easier to let go when an apology or an acknowledgement of the wrong has been given. This will not always be the case. Okay, so the king has learned something awesome and he applies it. The concept of loss absorption. He understands that the servant's inability to pay does not rob the king of his ability to succeed. If the servant can't pay the money or salvage the company, the king can still get the money another way. He can absorb the loss. He may not get a restoration dollar for dollar. He certainly is not going to get the restoration from the servant. But that servant's actions cannot stop the king from getting back to peace and harmony and success. So he abandons his fruitless shakedown. He lets it go, knowing that he can get it back and it doesn't have to be through the servant. The servant does not understand this principle and he goes straight for the throat of the fellow servant. The fellow servant did indeed owe a debt. Okay, he wasn't innocent. The tragedy here though is that since the first servant didn't understand that he could let go and still be compensated by Team Universe in an infinite amount of possible ways, He stayed on his ledge crying about how it wasn't fair. And he thought about all the ways he could rake the fellow servant through the coals and the fellow servant had to make it up to him. And he died on that hill. (laughs) For Christians, there's a doctrinal component here that cannot be ignored. Do we believe the atonement was universal or do we not? This concept of loss absorption, the saying forgive or you can't be forgiven. It isn't just a threat of like, be nice or we won't be nice to you. It's actually a scientific principle. If you believe the atonement wasn't quite enough to cover all harms, it can't cover any harms. If you can't believe that it's possible that Christ's sacrifice was for all hurts, then your heart can't let it in even to cover the hurts that you've done. Your heart is closed to the infinite healing universal power of the atonement. You cannot be forgiven because you cannot forgive because you do not believe the atonement was enough to cover all hurts. Therefore, you can't use it. Think about it. Your belief in restoration of peace is actually what makes restoration of peace possible. So, You've got a harm done to you. It does cause you actual pain. How do you sort through those feelings? For me, it was a matter of a formula. Three things that I had to do 
about the impact of the harm done to me. And by the way, I've never been able to do this in the moment. Okay, this is all mental work done after the fact, (laughs) either with a professional or like in serious wrestling prayer with Team Universe, okay? But these three things I have come to realize is my formula. First, I got to mitigate the impact of the harm. It doesn't mean I have to try to prevent a harm from ever happening again. It doesn't mean that I am responsible to make sure that none of the consequences occur of the harm. It means I have to set boundaries. I have a friend who was sexually molested as a child by her uncle. Her parents knew about it. There was not a lot done to protect her or to support her through the ensuing years of trauma while she had to deal with the ramifications of being sexually abused. And there was a lot. There were a lot of ramifications to that. When she was old enough to really look at that and to see this is harming me still, this first step of mitigating the impact, it is about boundaries. It's about boundaries we set for ourselves in order to give ourselves the space to work through the next few steps. This is an act of love for yourself. It's not a punishment, a manipulation, or an attempt to control anyone else. You're not setting a boundary to punish them. You're not doing this out of vengeance and saying, well, you did this, so now I'm going to set this boundary. That is not what it's about. For my friend who was sexually abused, while she was working through this stuff, because of her complicated feelings that she had, both from being abused and also from being betrayed by the people who she felt were supposed to protect her, She had to set boundaries of the ways in which she could engage, even with her own parents. So while she was working through these issues, she had to set a boundary in her mind of, I cannot talk to my parents right now. I need to give myself some space. And so for a while, she couldn't even engage even in text conversations, even in emails. Definitely not face to face. And gradually she could assess and shift the boundaries as needed, but the boundary was for her to give her the space she needed to sort through what had happened. That first step, mitigating the impact of setting boundaries is such an act of love for yourself because it helps you understand your own value and it helps you start building trust that you will be able to handle whatever comes. Not that you have to prevent something from coming, but that you will be able to walk yourself through it, whatever it, in quotes, might be, okay? So then it brings me to the second step for me, which was navigating the impact. That is sorting through your feelings, okay? It is a very difficult thing to do. It's messy. It's not linear. It's not chronological a lot of times. And also, sometimes you can't do it by yourself. Sometimes you need a sounding board or professional help. But navigating the impact of the harm is so important, You have to let yourself feel the feelings. You can't just wall them off and ignore them because tragically they don't go away. (laughs) You might even need to name them while you're feeling them. You might need to learn about emotions. You might have to do a little bit of research. You might have to study. What are the feelings you're having telling you about your own heart? Do you feel extra hurt because you always believed you had no value and now that your spouse cheated or your friend betrayed you or you got fired from your job, this was the universe telling you that you were right and you didn't have value in the first place. You have to look at those stories that you've been telling yourself and you have to challenge the ones that aren't bringing you back to peace and love. 
This takes time and it is okay. It does not matter how much time it takes. You can be patient with yourself in this process. And you don't have to have a certain stipulation of when you're going to be through. When am I going to not feel the anger anymore? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) When you're able to file it appropriately after you've looked at the pain that it's flagging for you. Sorting through the feelings, like sitting there on that ledge like we were talking about before and screaming about how it isn't fair. It is important. It is important to do that because you have to acknowledge what it is that has happened or you can't properly clean it up. That brings me to the third thing for me is to utilize the impact. So first it was mitigate the impact with your boundaries. Second is navigate the impact by acknowledging and examining your feelings. Third is to utilize the impact. And this is kind of controversial at times because it comes back to the idea that something may have happened. It was destiny so that you could learn a lesson. I don't really buy into that. Okay. But There is a certain power in knowing you can take a lesson from anything if you want to, because there's good and bad to almost every human interaction, right? So go ahead and take something good from it. You can. It's okay to feel grateful and angry at the same interaction. They're not mutually exclusive emotions. So you can use whatever you want. Did you learn to be kinder? Did you learn that you were strong? Did you learn how to challenge your inner narrative? Did you learn what a boundary was maybe and how to set one? Did you learn the definition of passive aggressive or toxic masculinity? Or did you learn what actual self-care is? Did you learn that you hate cats or that you like Dr. Pepper or any number of things you could have learned from any given human interaction, but take something from it. Take it. It's your right. One of the reasons we have such a hard time with grudges is because we get our job description wrong. We accidentally believe that justice is the thing that restores peace and that we have to be the ones to dole out the justice and then we'll feel peace. But that's not the truth. The first servant showed us that our peace has nothing to do with the actions of another person. We cannot allow them to have that kind of power over us. We got to be the king. We have access to all of the peace all of the love and all of the harmony team universe has to offer no matter the words, actions, or even the beliefs of others. That's all I got for this week. Please come back again next week. And if you have any insights on forgiveness or your own path with it, I would love to hear from you. Contact me on any one of my social media pages for about how though, and tell me what you know about forgiveness. When we are harmed, peace and love, that's the place we're trying to get back to. It's not easy. Any number of things can come up in our lives that will take us away from peace and love, but we have the power to get back there, especially if we tap into the peace and love of Team Universe and if we're willing to ask the really hard questions like, but how though? <laughs>